then we get to the funeral and I promise you, I get to the funeral. There's like two dudes standing outside there in like shorts and uh, you know, whatever, but they have, they have signs up, they have things for them to sign. So it's like, now you start thinking about, was there a promoter promoting the funeral because there are people out here that know about the funeral that shouldn't. We have no idea who these people are, but they're here getting autographs. So now we go into the funeral. You would think you would think that seeing all these older church lady type of people, right? Mm-hmm. That they know nothing about technology or anything, right? Towards the end of the funeral, Every old person in there pulled out their phone to do like Snapchats and selfies for my family. Mind you, they were so involved with taking pictures of my family that they left my dead great aunt (laughs) in the (laughs) in the funeral. so people are so shady (laughs) but while we're crying these are the things that happen to this is why you have to start paying attention to certain things Jesus Christ (laughs) that's how it was so that's how you find comedy Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to another episode of the Allison Interviews podcast. So my guest for this episode is comedian Shantae Wayans. She is, you guessed it, she's part of the Wayans family and they are an absolute comedy dynasty. I can tell you that coming up in the 90s, I was obsessed with the show In Living Color. I thought that Keenan Ivory Wayans and Marlon Wayans and Sean Wayans and Kim Wayans were the funniest people on earth and the show was just so brilliant. I mean, the way that they revamped sketch comedy for primetime television and just the way they were able to create this black sketch comedy show for primetime television and just everything they did with the Fly Girls and the type of comedy they did and the way that they stretched boundaries and the careers that they made. I mean, the people who started on that show, I remember, and this is so funny, I think so many people might can relate to this. I remember watching In Living Color in the early, early days. I think it was like late 80s, maybe 1990. And I'm watching the show and I see Jim Carrey, but it was like before he was Jim Carrey. And I remember I'm like, who's the white guy? <laughs> because I mean, the cast was was mainly people of color. And then you had Jim Carrey and it was just so random. And then of course, as the episodes went on, you're like, okay, he's a freaking genius. That's why he was cast on the show. But anyway, I just, I've always been such a fan of of that family. And so recently, not too long ago, I caught some comedy specials on YouTube with Shantae Wayans. Now, Shantae is the niece of, you guessed it, Marlon, Sean, Keenan, Kim, all of them. And she is such a great comic in her own right. She has spent the last, I think, more than a decade just working out, working on her material. I mean, she really just came up through the ranks. And she is so funny. So I'm going to tell you where you can catch her. But 
just YouTube Shantae Wayans and you'll you'll thank me later. So Shantae is actually right now you can catch her on HBO Max's Marlon Wayans presents the headliners. So her uncle Marlon has her on that show. So HBO Max Marlon Wayans presents the headliners. Shantae is one of the headliners. You can also catch her on Netflix. The Netflix is a joke platform. Tiffany Haddish presents They Ready. You can catch her on there. And if you happen to be in the ATL, you can catch her live on June 26th in Atlanta at the City Winery. So this interview, I really like, I, I, it's funny. My questions are like super, super deep as people know if they've listened to my interviews before. And so we start off the interview and we're just like, you know, she's cracking jokes and we're laughing and we're keeping it light. And then when I hit her with all these deep spiritual questions, I felt like she wanted to reach through the, like the zoom screen and strangle me. (laughs) But I have to say, and if you get a chance to watch this on YouTube, so listen to the audio podcast and then go to YouTube and watch the video because it's such an incredible thing and I hope that she will like see this when she listens to this. It's such an incredible thing to catch someone by surprise with some really deep philosophical questions and then to watch them kind of like open up and look within themselves in real time to answer your questions. If that makes any sense. It's it's honestly it's truly a remarkable thing because you're watching the person look inward in real time, like right in front of your face and and start to think in a way that maybe they've never thought before in their lives. And to me, that's like the most incredible thing in the world. So anyway, without any further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with the hilarious Shantae Wayans. So, um, I actually just saw the headliners on HBO Max last night. I was laughing the whole time. I mean, it was, you know, it's just amazing to me because I grew up in an era where comedy was the thing, like the 80s and 90s. And and then, I don't know, it was weird. It just kind of the art of comedy took a dip, it seemed like, at some point, or people weren't paying as close attention to it. And now everybody is creating these amazing platforms for comedy. What do you think about that? So, you know, it's crazy. It's like we're being censored right now. Right. But one of the most beautiful things about me starting comedy was, you know, I was an introvert. I felt like my voice couldn't be heard. And when Mm -hmm. I got on stage, all of that changed. Like literally the first time I got on stage, was the first time I go, I have a voice. And no matter what people think or anything like that, I get to speak my mind in, in almost a healing session like therapy, right? Yes. So the other thing is, listen, life is hilarious and we have to move through it. I did a joke on HBO Max where I talked about a special needs person. But he won at the end because I I tried to date him, right? I tried to give him a chance and he cheated on me. So so as much as we like sit here, you hear the word special needs and you're kind of like, ah, it's like, no, like we all have this life and it's life is just funny. You know what I mean? And and it comes from pain. That's where comedy started. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a hard thing to get through, you know? I personally like the inappropriateness of humor because I find that's where people need it the most. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like I've told jokes at funerals, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's where people need it the right, most. Right, and, right. you know, and even in things where we're sensitive about certain topics, it's crazy how healing it is and how much it relieves stress. Because last night I was like, I needed that. Yeah. You know, I, I needed that. And so if you were such an introverted person, what made you believe that you could get on stage and do comedy? Because it's just you and a microphone. Yeah. So, uh, so funny thing was right before I came to Cali, I remember telling one of my favorite teachers, I was like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Cali. I don't really know what I want to do because initially I was into computers. I was like a tech geek and stuff like that. And so I was like, I'm going to move to Cali. And he goes, that's stupid. And then I was like, Hmm, that kind of like screwed me up to going to my semester in college and trying to figure that out. Got to Cali, worked behind the scenes, did a little bit of tech stuff. And then 2003, so I was out there for two years, I went to a comedy club. I saw uh, my cousin and another person who was a good friend of mine get on stage. And I went home that night and I couldn't sleep because I thought of, I was thinking of these like two jokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went back to the comedy club the next night to do an open mic And they were like, come back later for the main show. And it was over from there. It was, you know, it's it's like you trying to express your feelings and somebody hears you and you're like, oh, you get it. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So you, okay. So you come from a comedy dynasty. You're Awayans. I just want to back up a little bit. You were born in Honolulu? No. (laughs) Why does it say all over the internet you were born in Honolulu? Where were you born? Because uh, Honolulu is my second family. So Hawaiians, I have, you know, best friend who passed away, but that's my second family. I was born in New York City. In okay. Okay. My mother is Elvira and she'll kill you if you have any other name <laughs> in your documents. Okay. Got it. All right. So your mother was not in the business. Kinda. She did a little. Kinda. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're living in New York Mm -hmm. and um, is it you're, you're in Manhattan or you're in the boroughs? No. So, okay. Living in Manhattan, but Mm -hmm. we all grew up. I was born into the projects of my grandparents and the 10 family members that we know. Right. So five famous actors, five not so famous actors. So my brother, Damian Wayans and Craig Wayans, we all grew up in that household. And then it kind of ventured off into, we got to see the fame. We got to see us basically come out the projects into fame. Okay. So you saw Keenan and Sean and Marlon doing all this stuff, movies, television. And were you ever on the set of In Living Color? At all? I was not so much as my brother Damien or Craig, my cousin. Mm-hmm. I was there, but I didn't really know what was happening. You know what I mean? Like I just I remember us having dinners and people trying to take pictures and I was like, I didn't I want to talk to my family. <laughs> That's yeah. what I remember. Okay. But you didn't but obviously like at that age it was lost on you that what your uncle Keenan created was like nothing short of genius that he no, that he was able to to put this black sketch comedy show on primetime television at that time yeah none of that none of that i received 
I think what I've learned or what I did embrace was the fact that there was some fearlessness as much as I was an introvert, like, especially my uncle Keenan was always like, like, what are you doing? You know, I remember coming to Cali and wanting to go back home. And he was like, if you go back home, (laughs) I'll be so disappointed. But he was like the godfather. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really understand how much it meant until I got older. Did you ever get any messages? And I doubt it, but did you ever get any messages that men were funnier than women when you were growing up? Or did it seem like, nope, women can be just as funny as men? Not really until I started getting into comedy, you know, because we had my Aunt Kim, who's brilliant. You know, yeah. I, I consider my Aunt Kim Marlon Wayans energy with a little bit more <laughs> restriction, you know, a little bit okay. more. <laughs> so, so Kim was, you know, she was the go-getter. She was like all out there and, and even still she's, you know, one of the funniest people in the family. So no, I didn't really get that until I started doing stand up and realizing like, you know, the bookings for comedy clubs and trying to get on certain things. That's when you start to see like, oh, uh, (laughs) they don't really care. Okay. And a huge part of your material is LGBTQ related material. So you talk openly about your love life and, and dating and all of that. Were you just always like from day one comfortable in your skin and comfortable with your sexuality or is it something you grew into? I think when I was younger, you know, because I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and I've always tried to search for, you know, God, as we know. So I think with that, it helped me back from really exploring. However, when I started doing stand up again, one of the most brilliant things my family did was go against the grain. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always felt like if I was trying to change something in this industry or whatever, then I want to be the voice for that. And if it's not in my generation, then hopefully I could pass that down to other people that will bring it to life. Fortunately, I was able to be a part of that. So I say that to say part of me believed in the change and I always Mm -hmm. wanted to be who I was because I felt like, you know, there are people out there that need to hear it. So while I talk about my life and it seems to be just LGBT, it's LGBT because it's my life. Mm -hmm. It's it's unfortunate to hear somebody say that, not, you know, bringing you down, but it's hard to hear somebody say that because if I was straight talking about relationships or have trying to have kids or marriage, Mm -hmm. nobody would label it as straight comedy, but this is my life. This is what I'm going through. So yes, it's a part of LGBT, but mostly because this is just the life. But me asking you that allows you to be prompted to give that response. Yeah, absolutely. Which now made me stop and think and be like, you know what? She's right. Yeah. You see but what I'm saying? True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I still have to bring you into my world, which I get. Yeah. Um, but it's it's unfortunate that it has to be labeled like that. I get it. So tell me about touring with your uncle, Sean and uncle Marlon. So what do you just kind of learn by osmosis or do they sit you down and teach you? Is there like a Wayans formula for creating comedy? That's a really corny question. (laughs) No, actually uh, the way you said it is actually a really good question. Are you serious? 
You know, the Wayans formula is just, so here's what's funny. When I started doing comedy, I went to Sean first, right? So mm-hmm. I was on tour with Sean and Sean sat me down to show me how to develop a joke, right? We watched okay. certain specials, all these things. Everybody else was kind of like, hey, a 3 a.m. call. I did this joke. I don't know how it worked, blah, blah, blah. So there was, there was structure in, they were very supportive, always answer the phone. The structure comes from keep going. You know what I'm saying? My family is very like, I'll say something. And if they think it's funny, you're going to hear like 10 minutes of them trying to give you jokes off of what you said to the point where you're like, Hey man, hold on. Let me get a recorder or (laughs) let me write (laughs) some of this down because the formula is once you get a joke in, they can't stop going. Okay. That's, so that's you, the you, real formula. You keep taking the joke further and further and further and adding to yeah. it and adding to it. And what's the response in the room if it's not funny? If they're in the crowd or opposed to them not being in the crowd? Because if they're in the crowd, I've had them come to a show and I was trying to do this joke on stage and I got stuck and they they were in the audience like, what else? Or... What if she went down the alley? You know what I'm saying? So, so then it makes you go, you're like in a workshop, right? So you're like, oh, I didn't even think about going down the alley. And then you start like trying to find funny in there. So the beauty is when you're, because all of us, like any of your famous or favorite comedians mm-hmm. have to go through a process and they have to build this. Unfortunately or fortunately, when you're already loved, you get a little bit more leeway, right? Mm -hmm. So you're trying to build these jokes, but when you have people in the crowd that get where you're trying to go (laughs) and they're trying to go think about it this way, it's, it makes it all better. Okay. So they've actually done that while there's an audience there. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that is so funny. Block out the, you, because you don't care because again, it's like people want to know, that I'm on to something, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just need to know I'm on to something. So either it's really bad or it's really funny. But when you're like, I know this could be funny. I just don't know how to make it that they were that for me. They were in the audience like, no, you're doing this. And you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah. And then people start laughing around because they see the you know work in progress. Is there a difference between being funny at home with friends and family Versus being funny on a comedy stage. Yes. Absolutely. How so? It's definitely a difference because you could be around people you know, and mm-hmm. and they, if they love you or they like you, you're always going to have a smile, right? You're always going to have some, there's a belief system in what you're trying to do. When you mm-hmm. are, again, imagine me touring with my family, right? They all know my family but I'm stepping on stage with a hoodie, a fitted. This is in, you know, 2000, early 2000. So being a lesbian is not fully out. So now I step on stage and I'm trying to do jokes, but they have no idea who I am. So there's a difference in people not knowing you and you having to prove yourself versus okay. people loving you. And did you use your last name from day one? No, I, I came on stage as New York first. <laughs> really? For how long did you do that? Until, because me, me and Lil Damon used to go out together and his name was Cal Green. 
So people, when we got on stage, people was like, you ain't, you ain't New York. You ain't Kyle Green. You away. <laughs> that, that lasted about six months. And then we had to start using our real name. And your brother's been an actor for a while, right? My brother, Damien, he's an actor, director, yeah. uh, writer. He's, he's done a lot of stuff. He's like my mentor too. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you on tour right now? I am. I'm on tour right now. We just started okay. putting it together. June 26th is my first show in Atlanta at City Winery. I'm doing one night only. I do have some more dates coming in. We're building this up. Like I said, it just started. But June 26th at a City Winery in Atlanta is my first tour date. Okay. It's called the Technically Speaking Tour. So how many different comedians are going to be on tour? So as of right now, we I just got two others. For Atlanta, I have Kia Barnes, who's hosting, and I have Ashima Franklin, who's featuring. Are you a rapper also? Hey, you know, listen, I dibble and dabble a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the young CA. Because <laughs> I heard, I saw something on Instagram, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, got, you know, if you want to be in the next video, Allison, uh, nah. <laughs> I could be a video vixen, you think? <laughs> yeah, I, I dibble and dabble. I try to make a little parodies and, you know, just try okay. to speak from the community. But I dibble and dabble. So it's mostly like rapping parodies, comedy. Yeah, but with bars, okay. you know what I mean? Right, right. You can't, you can't be funny and not have bars. Well, no, I'm just, it's funny because I just interviewed another comedian, Catherine Cohen. She has a Netflix special that's streaming right now. She has this Netflix special called Catherine Cohen, The Twist, She's Gorgeous. And her thing is like, she's like hyper, hyper feminine, hyper girly, right? Like super girly, girly. <laughs> But it's interesting what she does because her comedy, her stand-up set is part spoken and part musical accompaniment. So she's got music where like the lyrics are are comedy and then she's got like straight comedy and she just kind of seamlessly goes back and forth. So I just thought that was... Listen, don't don't confuse uh, a Jay-Z lyric with an Erica Badu. What do you mean? Is she she really rapping or she's like... No, 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 no. She's singing. She's sitting up. No, no, she's not rapping. <laughs> no, she's not rapping. <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't do a collab then. You and her? Yeah, let's collab on something. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Wayans family tradition that people would find interesting or fun or be surprised about? <laughs> Probably pay- playing baseball. Mm-hmm. For like 4th of July, but everybody's old now. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's like the only, like literally we, I can't say surprise, but that's like the one thing we try to do is get together, uh, mm-hmm. see the grandkids, the new grandkids, but play, like I say, baseball or like dodgeball, but we all can't move the same. Yeah, I got that. I got that. Who's really good? Like who? who's a really good player? The youngest family member. <laughs> okay. Everyone else is broken down. And like, okay. Everybody else is just competing with jokes, trying to distract you. What's the best advice you've ever received? Ah, come on, Allison. Come on, we're going deep. I'm going to say it's going to sound cliche, but believe in yourself, trust yourself. 
where everybody's dealing with some type of insecurity in a way, you know, some Mm -hmm. type of, uh, that's not exactly what the words were, but just know that you're not alone. That's really what it is. Who gave you that advice? Who? Uh, I've, I've gotten that a little bit from my uncle Damon and, uh, Keenan. Okay. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Cause we're yeah. afraid in some type of way. Oh yeah. Always. I, and it's so funny too, because I always get this weird thing. And I, I was just laughing about it before I got on with you. This always happens. And I've been doing this for so long, like the five, 10 minutes before the other person gets on, my heart starts to pound. My adrenaline starts to go like, you know, that you ever like go on a blind date and you're waiting for the person to walk into the restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just like, yeah, <laughs> because because it's energy, right? Like, yeah, like you God. and me, you and me yeah. could have had a horrible conversation. Yeah, right you know what I mean, just off of my attitude or your attitude. So yes. everything, I get it. I every time I walk into a place, stand up wise, everything, I'm like, how are they going to be? Yes, yeah. It's like you you're walking into this unknown and you're walking on faith. Yeah, you know and. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, you know, it's funny that I started doing, I would go headline the show. And before I got on stage, I would walk through the crowd kind of (laughs) like, you know, much as I can hide as much. I would walk through and try to say something to somebody. And if they laugh, I can determine or if they smile, I could see like, oh, they're going to be fun. And if they're like looking at me like, like, why are you talking to me? I'd be like, ah, but Ooh, yeah, that's the energy of people and yeah. just see like where they are. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you have this because I do. And I think it's it's a similar thing. Do you ever kind of say to yourself like, OK, I hope that everything I say tonight is received in the spirit in which I am trying to express it and not taken in some nefarious way? That's my ritual. I literally, before I get on stage, my prayer is like, you know, I want to have fun. I want to remember what I'm talking about. I want to be honest in my direction and Mm -hmm. I hope that people can receive it. Mm -hmm. That's literally my, my ritual. I say the same prayer every every single time. I'm like, God, I hope that everything I say is received in like the pure spirit in which I intended it to be received. That's so funny. If you could you're going to hate me for this one. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you could, if you could travel back in time and have an effect on any famous historical event, where would you go and what would you attempt to change? Okay. If I can go to any famous historical event and impact it in some way or change it in some way. I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> I, I this is what I will say. Uh I'm a firm believer. Hear me uh, out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a firm believer on I wish Malcolm X was still here. If Malcolm X was still here, I would probably be following his steps in a certain way. Here's why I say this. Okay. Malcolm X has been he's been bad, right? He's, he's, he's had a difficult life and then he's changed his life. And then even in changes, changing his life and having a belief system, he's also still seeked out 
research to try to make his beliefs better, right? Mm-hmm. Also, in an organized way, I felt like he had a community that believed in him. Where I'm taking out violence, I'm taking out all those things. I love the togetherness at that time. So if I was going to change anything, I would probably change. My biggest thing is to how to push love out more. Okay. That that goes out for any culture, anything that's happening for women, for LGBT rights, for all those things. And whatever people don't agree with, I wish people would understand that that's their own life that they have to follow in their path. Mm-hmm. And they will be judged in whatever manner at the end themselves has nothing to do with anything else. You're I the s- that answered it, but that was no, it's no, it, there's no, there's no wrong answer. I just, I, I love, like, I can't even tell you how many different answers I've gotten, but you're the second person who said that they would, they would want to change things to make Malcolm X still be alive. Kadeem Hardison said the same thing. Because if you take out, when I say that people are going to, think about different things. Everybody who I've learned from in my life was Mm -hmm. able to come from a place. For instance, I've, I've gone to AA and dealing with alcoholism and stuff like that. You get to meet a diversity of people, right? You never know who's going to be in these meetings. I remember going to a meeting. It was a white guy with a, uh, like pretty much Satan or, you know, something that resembles that on the back of his neck and then mm-hmm. you saw all these tattoos, but it was, it looked like everything that I shouldn't approach him. And in passing in the meeting, he was so welcoming. He was so like, Hey, how you doing? Wow. All this passed on his head. Right. So I could judge him. I can, you know, avoid him. I could do all these things, but I almost yearned to meet people like that because they had a past that they had these beliefs from their upbringing, whatever the case may be. And now they're in the same place that I'm in trying to change, but they can't change what's physically there. What's already, yeah. What's already there. And I, and I can see it already just on again, him welcoming me with everything he had on his body. See, uh, that's something I'm still working on because I find that, if somebody has done or said or behaved in a, in a hateful way, it's hard for me sometimes to get past the hurt of that, to be able to say, hey, you know what? Like, Because th- at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want people to learn and evolve, right? I mean, we're not just punishing people just to punish them. We want people because we want the consciousness of this planet to raise up. Yeah. But it's like I had a I had an incident not that long ago where my son, who's 13, he's he's biracial and he had a couple of Caucasian friends who called him the N word thinking that it was funny. Mm -hmm. And we sat down with the parents and they apologized and then, you know, and for me, I'm the kind of person where I say, you know, like you're cut off, like Mm -hmm. we're done. You know, whereas my ex was like, they have to learn, they're young, this is a teachable moment. And and I'm like, you know, fuck that, get out of my life, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I'm I'm trying, I'm trying to get to that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, 
it's hard, right? Because especially something like that, that's your, your son, you know, that's, that's somebody, sometimes we don't realize how important it is in our lives until we see somebody else that we actually love more than ourselves mm-hmm. uh, going through that. Listen, a situation like that is one of the hardest things to deal with for me right now, because we're dealing with stuff like that every day. Right. Mm-hmm. But my, my heart is going because you can forgive and you can try to teach and you could try to do these things. You don't have to have that person in your life. Right. Right. But for you, the more hate you hold, the more damages is going to be on your life. Yes. So there's, there's the boundary of going, I never have to see you ever again, nor does my son. And if my son knows what's right and wrong, you can only teach the other person who's apologizing because they can go back home and go, ah, we got over it. You know what I mean? And, and move on to the next person. So mm-hmm. you can only control what's in your world. But that's why I said, you know, it's, it's about spreading love and all that you can do. Yeah. But again, don't put yourself in a situation where it's going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always have this like internal battle because my father and my grandfather were definitely street guys where everything is like, you know, kill or be killed. You know, you, you can't let anybody get an inch. And then there's this other part of me that wants to spiritually transcend. And they're always like this. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you have anything like I, that. In I you. do it all the time. Yeah. Everybody can't be on your spiritual path again. I listen, I stopped looking at certain people's Instagrams. I have to start looking, stop looking at social media. I also don't, I, I can't stand to see death every day. So yes. posting and being political about it and trying to say something about it. I mm-hmm. went from, if nothing's being done, what can I do to try to change the course in some way? Because for, for, for me, These are on a smaller levels, right? So for me, I'm coming up on two years of sobriety from drinking, right? Uh Now, thank you. But nobody would be able to really celebrate that just off my timeline Mm -hmm. or or in the way that I want to because people are DMing me. I get personal messages. I got one guy who DMs me every maybe month maybe every six months now because he hit a year of sobriety. But the initial DM was, I got sober because I saw you. And so my responsibility, while I can't announce it or everybody's like, well, what are you doing to change the world? I don't have to show you it because I have DMs of people going, thank you for talking about being LGBT. Thank you for being that leader. Thank you for being sober. Thank you for doing this. And and they'll hit me and go, man, I got no friends now that I'm sober, but at least these are the people I respond to who might, and in the scheme of things, you would think people want to reach out to them unless they're on a certain level. And I try to pour that into those type of messages because that's my changing in life. And isn't it also, it's like a healing circle, right? It's like the more you help other people, the more you help yourself. Absolutely. And also like comedy, you know, I feel like you guys are 
healers. You guys are light workers because like I said, there's nothing like just laughing out loud for an hour straight. I mean, there's right. nothing like it, <laughs> you know, it, it just, it helps it. It's, it's therapeutic. It, yeah. it, it really does wonders for you. Absolutely. I mean, for me, even, even if I, even if a joke doesn't go well, but I can laugh at it myself, <laughs> I yeah. love to, you know, it's, it's something about all of that. And again, being able to have laughter, a message, just conversation, because that's what it's all about, right? I, I can't, I can't get to you with laughter if you don't receive it, but it's, it brings up a conversation to be had like this conversation that we already had. And what's your creative process? How do you write comedy? How do you get to the heart of the joke? How do you do it? I try to really come from real life, right? For instance, I'm getting married, proposed to my my girlfriend. And (laughs) as we're doing all this stuff and I'm paying for the wedding, now Biden might not, I don't want to say Biden, but they might take away gay rights. They're already, they're already trying to take away abortion. They announced it. But as, as crazy as that sounds, Uh (laughs) as, as mad as I should be, I take something like that and go, well, damn, I could save ten, fifteen thousand dollars if they just cut this bill now. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. <laughs> so, so as as much as I want to get married and I love my wife, you know, my fiance, that's the level of the process where you go, okay, this this is messed up, right? But yeah. I'm also getting married in August and marriage has been legal for how many years? And I should have done it sooner. But I done spent money on the ring. I got 10 credit cards out on the ring. <laughs> and now I got to pay for the wedding for Biden to possibly take all this away. Yeah. yeah. I want a stimulus package for my marriage. That's what Yeah, I'm seriously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get it. So it's like, you just, you, you just kind of observe. I always say it's like, I always find the funny in, and it might be terrible, but I always find the funny in the politically incorrect. Yeah. You know, like I just try to make it as petty and politically incorrect as possible. And that's what makes me laugh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but that's like, like, here's what's crazy. Even the situation you dealt with, with your son, Mm -hmm. there's a joke in that. I'm sure. And I'm sure. you know what I mean? Like it, it's it, as hurtful as it is. You know what I mean? You, you can even, <laughs> you can make a joke about how she thought you were white, you know what I'm saying? Or thought you were Italian. I'm not saying you're not, but she didn't think you had these kind of thoughts. So the joke comes in to her siding with you and be like, you know, am I right? You know, N words <laughs> are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. you have this black son or mixed mm-hmm. son, you know what I mean? But that's where the joke goes, comes into. It's like, it's not really funny. You know, there's pain in it, but mm-hmm. you got to find that small piece to, to. Well, open. I'll tell you what was kind of funny, or I guess it could be funny, is that my son was confused because he didn't understand if it was an insult or a compliment. Because he's like, Mom, Drake says it. This one says it. That one says it. That, he's like, so yeah, I'm like, so he's almost, he's wondering if it's a compliment. And I'm like, no, Marcus, it's not a compliment. <laughs> so, 
so, so from that right there, you would just tag on like him trying to be like, yeah, my Nick, you know what I mean? Like him yeah. having this whole conversation with this white person who then you have to step in and teach him like, that's not cool. But that, that alone is hilarious. Yeah. You know, it wasn't cool. Right. It's just, it's time. It's time. So like if it happened to whenever it was two months ago, it's like, as time goes by, you see things differently. It's listen, Allison, (laughs) I'm going to tell you a secret about my family. Okay. I'll I'll tell you this. We went, my uh let's see, let's gra- get the juice let's get the juice <laughs> one of my great aunts passed away that's not uh-huh. the funny part on the way to this funeral it's it's me and my uncle Marlon. we just did a show and then everything from the plane right we get off the plane all these things are happening with police and black people we're getting off the plane and uh we're in the airport and this cop goes you're under arrest and we turn around and he's like haha just kidding Nothing funny about that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all this shit happening right now, but we're going through these things. Then we get to the funeral, and I promise you, I get to the funeral, there's like two dudes standing outside there in like shorts and uh, you know, whatever, but they have they have signs up. They have things for them to sign. So mm-hmm. it's like now you start thinking about was there a promoter promoting the funeral? Because there are people out here that know about the funeral that shouldn't. We have no idea who these people are, but they're here getting autographs. So now we go into the funeral. You would think, you would think that seeing all these older church lady type of people, right? Mm -hmm. That they know nothing about technology or anything, right? Towards the end of the funeral, Every old person in there pulled out their phone to do like Snapchats and selfies for my family. Mind you, they were so involved with taking pictures of my family that they left my dead great aunt (laughs) in the (laughs) in the funeral. so people are so shady (laughs) but while we're crying these are the things that happen to this is why you have to start paying attention to certain things jesus christ (laughs) that's how it was so that's how you find comedy it's so crazy because I don't understand why people lose their minds when it comes to celebrity. I mean, I understand admiring somebody, right? Like I understand being like, oh, I really like their work, you know, but I don't understand why people lose their minds and do things that they would normally never do. Yes. You know, that's a, that's, that's a weird one. I, you know, I, I don't know. No. So, so the funny thing is I was a big fan. I mean, I I still am a big fan of Jay-Z, right? I had the opportunity to meet Jay-Z and Beyonce when they first got together uh, through my uncle Damon. However, from past interactions, I said, I don't even want to meet him because if he's an a-hole, then I, you know what I mean? Like I, I love him who. It shatters it. 
Yeah, like I want to see him like I can never touch him. But at the same time, Uh (laughs) (laughs) at the same time, this is why I say don't go meet the person. There's one person, right? I'm sure there's one person that you would freaking pass out for. And when when Michael Jackson was alive and he was going through the trials and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. I, I remember getting offered tickets to go to his Neverland. I went to his Neverland. I took a girl there and I was trying to impress her. Uh, I got there. We waited probably three hours and we were like, I was like, he's not coming. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm frustrated because again, I'm trying to impress her. We're at the Neverland ranch. It's all this stuff going on. And I go, he ain't showing up. So after three hours, I go, let's leave. As we're leaving, <laughs> as we're leaving, Allison, I just saw an umbrella. <laughs> I saw the umbrella and went like this. <laughs> oh, like you're holding his big black umbrella. Yes. So it was, it was 3T. I don't know if you remember 3T. but Yeah, 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 yeah. So his nephews, three, right? 3T. Yeah. Yep, and then Joe Jackson and then Mrs. Jackson and then Michael Jackson. And so... I passed out off a of three T. I didn't, I just saw an umbrella and then we were at the concert. We stayed. And I remember, uh, they gave a, like, you know, a little break, an intermission and Michael Jackson pushed me not purposely. Like, but he's, yeah, trying to yeah, get, yeah. he's trying to get through the thing. And I'm like this and the bodyguards and him just like moved me. And I was just, I was so happy that he touched me even if, <laughs> Even if he would have punched me in my face. So I will say that there's a certain energy and overwhelmness of somebody who might just be big, you know, because Michael Jackson, for what it's worth, you know, I'm not taking away from what could have happened. But right, right, right. For the things that he's actually done, the music, the way it touched us, the man in the mm-hmm. mirror, the all those things. The music, I yeah. I cry every time I hear man in the mirror. Yeah, no, I know, I know. I separate it. I separate it because it, the the music was is just otherworldly. It's it's phenomenal. Right. You know. So I think you know what? I think I think Eddie Murphy would make me get uh I wouldn't know what to do because because when I was in high school, I went through this period where I was like real depressed. And what I would do is every day I'd come home from school and I'd watch his clips from Saturday Night Live or I'd watch his movies and it really helped me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And so I would just be like, I, I, I yeah, I, I think that that one would, that one would, would do it. Yeah. That one would it's, do it. It's one person for every. Yeah. It's one person. <laughs> the, the trick is you, cause you're right at the same time, we're all human. Right. And if somebody mm-hmm. that I love, like if Michael Jackson would have pushed me and said, don't you ever come here again it would have destroyed me right right him right just pushing me was fine enough because i can make excuses <laughs> right right you just got you got bumped yeah right 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 but <laughs> you don't you never want to pour your support and all these things into somebody for them to tell you you're nothing you know what i mean and that's yeah. what i have a problem with all my fans which i don't even like calling them that but all my mm-hmm. supporters I appreciate and I try to get back to everybody's message because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have been where I'm at right now. Right. Of course. Uh, And and you get some crazy supporters that you can ignore. But for the most part, 
I would not have a lot of these people or be doing what I'm doing without them. So let's talk about what's coming up next. So I know that you are going to be down in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? 26 at the city winery. Yeah. <laughs> and then what else is coming up for you? Ah, man. Uh, so again, we're starting the technically speaking uh, comedy tour. Um, right now I'm already producing my own projects. I'm putting up, putting them up on YouTube. I have two things, no sound charades, which is, we all know charades, but we do it with a little comedy in it. And it's very fun. We do it every Tuesday night, starting, uh, tonight, 5 PM Pacific time, and then, uh, drive by jokes. So I have a lot of series and projects that I've been working on and developing my stuff. I started my own production company, but we are getting ready for the technically speaking comedy tour. Do you think that at some point you will have a chance to write or direct or produce or even act in a project where you will be able to cast one of your uncles or all of them? The <laughs> um, <laughs> funny thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm working on something right now where I would love like my Kim uh, to be my actual aunt in the show. Kim Wayans. Yeah. Kim Wayans. Yes. So yes, there's a, there's a few things I'm always keeping them in mind for. I also feel like they've done so much sometimes that I was like, I hope, I hope I can get them while they still in this. But, but absolutely. I mean, if you see the Wayans family together in any situation, I would give anything to see the Wayans family together in any situation. I'm going to invite you to a uh, baseball game. Uh, for 4th of July. I will hit you up for the 4th of July party. Okay. <laughs> or even if, even if I can't be there, have a, have the phone going. Oh, FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime. <laughs> I would die. It's, it's, it's die. one of my favorite things to experience <laughs> in life. I love that us all That is so together. awesome. Yeah. What do you think you came into this life as Shantae Wayans to learn and what do you think you came here to teach? Damn, Allison. <laughs> you need to see, send pre-questions, okay? So we can get that. These are amazing questions. I want organic answers, baby. Damn. Say it again. What did I come Okay. Start for the- what did you come into this life to learn? And what did you come here to teach? Is there like a, is there a pattern that comes up in your life over and over and over again, where you're like, man, this keeps showing up. Like what is going on? Cause that typically gives it away. Well, Allison, I, I, I will say what I came into this life to learn. Ooh, I think I would probably say acceptance. Mm-hmm. This, this is deep, Allison. Uh, I'm going to say acceptance. Mm-hmm. For, for ah, so okay, both of them are going to coincide together. I came into okay. this, I came into this world to learn that life is worth living, and I say that in a way where I think it boils down to like loving yourself. You have people in your life where you're gonna where you might be disappointed, right? We talk about fame and all these things and, and all these things, but life is truly worth living. And it doesn't 
And I would teach people that it doesn't have to be at the capacity of what other people feel is happiness and worth living. Right. My goals, and, and if I've learned anything, I would truly be happy surrounded by true love, whether that's through a relationship, family, uh, but being able to be around people I appreciate while also being able to sustain a healthy and sustainable life. Meaning I want to, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to meet different people. I feel like I'm not answering this question the way I want to Allison. Damn. But yes, live, just live life, live life. This is not, I don't believe that this is our only lives, but I believe that I believe love is so powerful that goes for loving yourself, loving others. That's really what makes the world. Okay. And you feel like that's, that's what, (laughs) just don't don't kick, don't kick yourself later. If you think of a different answer answer it and then email you and be like, Hey, could we do that? (laughs) No, no, no. But go ahead. I mean, and do you think that like, what do you think you, your life is a living example of. Well, the, the living example is I've, I've been as much as I don't, you know, it's like, I don't want to complain about it and stuff, but I've been, I've been through a lot. And, and also I've been able to see everybody's side. You know, mm-hmm. we look at, we look at abuse, we look at sexually assault, we look at all these things and I go, I've been through all those things, but I'm a survivor. Um, Maybe, maybe that's what it is. It's like, I've been through so many things. And if I was going to teach anybody, I would go like, if you have the opportunity to wake up the next day, you have another chance to start over. And again, this is not for anybody else, but yourself. So, you know, when you talk about alcoholism or drugs or anything like that, but you get to wake up another day. Mm-hmm. there's something there for you to still be able to exist. Right. And if you're still here, you're supposed to be here. There's something you're supposed to do. Yeah. 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 I get that. That was deep. Was- <laughs> I made you sweat a little bit. You did. <laughs> you know, you, you're like thinking like, like uh, if I wanted to put my stamp on the world, I go, man. And I, and I say this to not bring anybody down. But I lost two best friends back to back this year. Okay. Uh, I proposed to my girl. My, my boy came to the proposal. He passed away. And then while I was burying him, my other best friend passed. But I, I can't tell you that you get to see their life, right? So one of them like was going on vacation a lot and doing all the stuff. And the other one who you would think who, who people were like tired of giving money to like you borrowing, you're doing this, right. He was the most celebrated to this day. I, and I'm talking about from celebrities mm-hmm. to news stations to <laughs> people. You wouldn't even think he was the most celebrated. And it made me look at my life going, Yo, like he, he was pure and he was, ah, I'm done. I'm done with this question. Allison. (laughs) Done with this question. (laughs) That was was really good though. 
I've put you through enough. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for an outstanding interview and I'll keep watching your career and, uh, and just loving what you do. Thank you. Hit me up anytime. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to follow you and figure this out as well. I'm going to watch you. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. That means, that means a lot to me, seriously. So that was an interesting journey, don't you guys think? <laughs> it went from light to heavy to light to heavy to just like really interesting stuff about uh, Shantae and her family and the way that she comes up with her comedy, the way that she actually creates jokes. And I loved the part when I said, is there a Wayans formula for writing comedy and then of course I was like okay is that is that question corny but no when I look back on it I'm like no it's not because she was like yeah there is a Wayans formula for creating comedy and this is how we do it as a family I mean how cool is that they sit around and like jam and riff and and come up with jokes and stories and like as a family where it's like Mad Libs. It's like, okay, well, what if this happened? And then what if that happened? And then I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like to hear that creative process to me was just amazing. So anyway, let me know what you think of this episode with Shantae Wayans. Again, if you are going to be in Atlanta, catch her June 26th live at the Atlanta City Winery. Leave me a comment, leave me a like, leave me a review. Let me know what you guys think and I will catch you on the next one. Peace.